0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's also much uh, trickier to get soggy bottom near the equator. Speak for yourself.
1: Um, Hello and welcome to um, North versus South, a podcast that is and isn't about design. Um, Last week we talked about design almost exclusively, and uh, we met up this week, didn't we, Rob?
0: We did, and it was bloody delightful. It was very
1: nice, lovely weather we're having here in Blighty.
0: Yep, you took me to a fantastic pub not far from your house and we sat out in the sunshine, had a, a bite to eat, and a pint and a chat about the podcast and its future and our huge global domina, domination plans. Yep. Um, there, no you, pi- what, no, there were
1: no pies in the there.
0: There weren't. No, this has already been pointed out to me on Facebook. <laughs> I put a picture up of uh, of our meals, and uh, people were shocked that I hadn't at least photoshopped a pie into them. So yes, no pies at the pub.
1: There were no pies at the butchers.
0: First butchers sold
1: out. So there'd been some something had happened in Alsford, and there'd been (laughs) a a run on every single pie. Yeah, I think there's something sinister going on there. You know what village life is like.
0: You'll have to look into that.
1: Well, you can see a film of um our village life um Radiohead have just released it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's like that around midsummer's day.
1: Yeah, without the smiling people.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, so how uh, how's the rest of your week been?
1: Um it's been yeah, full up, um really really busy. I've bitten off far too much um this mm-hmm. week and I've got a lot of things piling up, so I'm mu- uh, I'm in a mild state of panic. Have you, taught,
0: have you taught Kitty how to use the Mac yet?
1: She likes bashing away at it. <laughs> she? Yeah. Um, and uh, she comes in to, uh, to do drawing with Daddy. Yeah. But um, she's not really that good at it at the moment, sadly. So, yeah, I've been so doing on your own. Yeah, I'm on my own. And um, we've got a sort of procession of builders and tradesmen coming into the house at the moment, so meeting them and going through things, either with great frustration or um with glee but yeah. yeah generally frustration some of them are not very helpful
0: is that is that just a kind of a generational thing or is it a trade thing are they just sort of grumpy and you know not very sort of communicative
1: yeah i i, I don't know i've got many theories about this and, and it does spill over to the design industry of you know how we treat clients Um if we, I should treated-
0: careful, we, we should be careful just in case any of these tradesmen are listening to the podcast. You don't <laughs> well, want to they, well, I haven't gone a, with anyone yet, slight, so they can all bite plumb, me. <laughs> plumb, plumb your kitchen in backwards. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I don't think – I think a lot of them spill out into freelance you know, work without ever having had to deal with a client before. Mm. Um, so you go from apprentice to doing the job very quickly. Um, so there's no real process of um, dealing with the client's request. It's either if you know how to do it, they'll say, yeah, we can do that. Or you very rarely get a builder who will say, yeah, we'll give it a go. You know, we we'll, um let me go away and have a think about it. Yeah. It's normally like, no, no, mate, no, that's not possible. Um, but we've met a couple that are really, really good, really nice people yeah. and, uh, and are willing to um, sort of, you know, play along with us let ah, us play good. around a bit um, so yeah I've been doing a lot of that uh, a lot of drawings and bits and bobs but we're oh, getting there
0: Just crossed that all go smoothly
1: yeah it starts next week so you'll find out next week if I've got electricity <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, marvellous
1: what have you been up to well
0: it's been uh, it's been quite quite a week we had obviously it was bank holiday on Monday so I had a long weekend um, can't remember what I did actually um, and then I've been working again on Eelpie Island for the little design agency which has been nice uh, particularly in this weather it's an absolute treat to uh, walk down to the riverside and across to the island um, and a bit of com- uh, a bit of commission work <clears throat> a few little bits and pieces for uh, the film concept stuff I've been working on for John Panton Meat Bingo films so still looking I think for a late June uh day or two's filming for his next film. Are you going to go up to that? I don't know, it's down in Exeter. Uh or on Exmoor or something. Um I'd like to. Uh, there is he has got a reputation for whenever whenever he films anything it absolutely heaves down with rain, so maybe not. Well yeah, Exmoor <laughs> but it'd be, might. Do. It'd be good to see it all uh <laughs> see it all happening. Um, so yeah, it's been quite good, um, and we had our good lunch, which was very nice. Uh, we we got through quite a lot of chat, didn't we? With our uh, with our lunch, not all podcast related. We talked about uh, rambling, uh, the Civil War. <laughs> um, it was Spir- quite v- spiritualism. Yes, it was quite varied.
1: Um, yeah, Jack Russell's obviously.
0: Yeah, it good. It was good to uh, finally meet Ralph and to see Bingo again.
1: Yeah, no, it was really nice, nice sea. Yeah. Um and it was a beautiful day.
0: It certainly was. Um yes, yeah, so that's on my news really. I've got uh, I've got great tits in my bird box which you I've just got, discovered. Oh. Um I put up a little video. I I strapped my iPhone with a gorilla grip tripod to the tree that the bird box is hanging from. Right and got a little slow-mo video of the great tip coming oh, out well, of the I bird knew. box. Uh, are, nice. are
1: they nested in there, or are they just roosting?
0: No, 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 they're nested. Wow. First time. We've had the bird box for six years, and yeah. it's laying, laying empty all that time.
1: Oh, we've only just put one up this year, and we have had them in already, but, <sighs> they're, but they're not nesting. They're just, I think they're just okay. roosting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, two Jack Russells in the garden and flanking cats, it could be well, uh, could be a tricky
0: Well, we actually, the only reason we discovered it was because uh, Steph Found our cat halfway up the tree, um, which she doesn't do because she's quite old. She's long past chasing things and bringing us back presents. Um, so that's how we found out she'd uh, she'd gone for a bit of a better look. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very cute, very nice. Yeah,
1: yeah no, lovely. I love it. Um, well, I, br- brings me on to. I, I've been. I was talking to you yesterday about um, cuckoos. Yes. And uh, I've been doing a little bit more research into that conversation. Oh,
0: good, because I didn't really sleep very well last night because I was wondering about this.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about cuckoos. Yeah, like, you talk about cuckoos. I mean? think I think we can... Um, I think Are I we are going to do a whole
0: episode on cuckoos? I
1: think I might become a bit of a cuckoo bore. Yeah. Um, the cuckoo fascinates me, uh, of, of all birds. Um, I didn't realise, and I don't know where I heard this, but I've subsequently listened to a programme on Radio 4 by... Um, an expert um, in cuckoos, <laughs> on cuckoos, <laughs> on the cuckoo, uh, that um, the cuckoo uh, is uh, is a parasitic bird. So it, obviously, it lays its eggs in other birds' nests. But it also it changes the colour of its egg to suit the host bird. So it's
0: just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Now, my question to Rob yesterday was. Does, is it like a chameleon thing? Does the you know does the cuckoo seek out a robin and suddenly be able to turn it blue, or seek out a reed warbler and be able to turn it I don't know, speckled brown or whatever colour it comes out in? But actually, it turns out it doesn't. They particular females go after particular other types of host bird. Um, but where does that gene come from that makes the egg? speckled or the egg blue. It just blows my mind. So
0: cuckoos lay a variety of eggs. One cuckoo will lay a particular type of egg. Yeah. And that cuckoo will know how to find a nest that that egg's going to fit in. Yeah. So does it just go around looking in all the nests, thinking... I'm sure this egg I've got, <laughs> I've got brewing is blue.
1: Well no, the parent cuckoo stalk um potential host bird pairs. So it will look at, ser- at several um nesting pairs. But also it it lays its egg in lots of it lays up to 8 and it has been known I think in this program it was 24 eggs were laid in different nests. Wow. So it so it hedges its bets. It certainly does, doesn't it? Um but it's just fascinating. I I am um, i 'll put the link to the to the Ra- the Radio Four program, but it's got me really thinking on t- in terms of i don't know design and art and things of just of things that look uh, what ha- of, of tricks of the mind of how yeah. how are the parents fooled into thinking that this egg is their child um especially when the cuckoo is born and pushes all the other eggs out and the the baby cuckoo has a flat back which it hoists. It uses to hoist the other eggs onto and push out, Um, which is just incredible. And when it sings, it sings in sort of um, multi-parts, so it sounds like a whole brood of little baby birds. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really is mad. Um, I think
0: our our next book of the month should be uh, The Midwich Cuckoos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, the guy who was on it it, has written a um, a book called... um, it's called cuckoo cheating by nature, and uh, it's Professor Nick Davies. So I'll post his um, his little half hour <coughs> program that was on Radio Four. Uh, yeah, it was back good. in 2011. So I don't know where it came from in my head. I think it was just that I, I might have heard a cuckoo. I think we thought we saw one because they look a bit like sparrowhawks. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, but yeah, a, a complete tangent as ever. Well, I but think that's good. I think that the cuckoo is a is a marvelous creature.
0: Should it be our national bird? Mm.
1: Well, it's not. It's a, It's an alien.
0: Oh, does it not? Uh, no,
1: it migrates from Africa. Oh, and is it, it is very much a, a delicacy in Nigeria and surrounding states from where from where it comes. I think.
0: I see, no wonder it doesn't stay there. All well,
1: long. there's a declining population because people are hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, onto news. I don't think there's any cuckoo news, is there?
0: Um, I, I couldn't see any cookie news this this, uh, this week. Right. Uh, so news. The first thing I've seen, which isn't design, but it's a fascinating little thing, is, um, I think I saw it in Design Bloom, the 387 Houses of Peter Fritz, which sounds just like the best novel title ever. Um, in 1993, uh, an artist browsing in a junk shop discovered 387 model buildings Um, and they're kind of like little paper paper models Uh, um, and they're remarkable, these beautiful tiny little kind of matchbox sized houses of all different architectural styles and shapes and you know, there's, there's shops and factories and houses and flats. Um, and they're amazing. It's a little like the the uh, thing we featured a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pepperholm.
1: Yeah, you're, you're following a theme there, aren't you?
0: I am. These are a lot am. more
1: brightly coloured and yeah. uh, higgledy-piggledy.
0: Um, and I don't think that much is known about Peter Fritz or... Oh, you know what he did, or why these houses were created. But they've been—they um, were presented at a Venice art uh, exhibition uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I—I I, I don't know where I came across them, but I think they're just fascinating, beautiful little things. Yeah, they are. I think I think that little story about kind of not knowing—you know why they're there or kind of just finding them by sheer luck in a junk shop is just just adds to the beauty of the little sort of fairy tale about them
1: well aren't they those kind of things that when um, someone dies and a family clears out or a clearance company comes in and clears the house out then those objects get dissipated. Either they get thrown away or they do get picked up by somebody or think, oh, well, somebody kids will play with this. Let's take it down the junk shop or to the local church, jumble sale or whatever. Yeah. And that's when it enters um, the world as something completely different. But it could also be a hoax, couldn't it? It could. Uh, you know, it, it leads me to think of Bill Drummond, um, you know, the guy from KLF, yeah. when he started releasing lots of white label um, Finnish records onto the New York music scene. Yeah. But he'd made them all himself. Yeah. Um, these, but, but then again, these houses don't do anything culturally beyond...
0: No, and they're Looking all of pretty a, cool. Yeah, and they're, they're all of sort of an era, aren't they? They they really fit that kind of 1950s, sixties look. Not just the style of the houses, but the kind of the materials and the, just the yeah. Look they the look
1: like, they look like how houses looked when I was a kid. You know, yeah. um, you know that that were sort of ten, fifteen years old, um, mm. or shopping centres or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So they, and, and they've been beautifully laid out on a white table, which makes them look, look sort of glow, doesn't it? Because the colours are very. Amazing how the colours have survived.
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder. You've made me doubt now.
1: James. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just. It's a typical thing an artist. No, no, would you're do, right. Isn't I, it?
0: it? It did occur to me.
1: Why but... was it an artist who found it? I don't know, but that's yeah. just me
0: being cynical. Or... Yeah.
1: Guffer. <laughs> <laughs> they are fantastic.
0: But yeah, I enjoyed uh, mm-hmm.
1: enjoyed coming across that.
0: Uh what have you got?
1: Um I saw a Google doodle um which are these things that Google the little pictures of Google occasionally yep. and they celebrate people from day to day most of them I have no idea who they are or were they're generally scientists this person was called Claude Shannon um and he was a scientist um uh, very interesting chap but I'll cut straight to the quick he uh, he made a thing he built a thing called the ultimate machine um, which he kept on his desk, and it was just a box with a little switch um, on it, a little toggle switch on it. And when you flick the switch, a little hand came out of the box and turned the switch off again. And uh, it's really, if you watch a film of people who've made them, I, don't, I haven't seen the original one, it's really sinister. There um, is something and, spooky about it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a machine turning itself off. It's much it's much more sinister than a machine turning itself on. <laughs> yeah, but the um, ooh, uh, the sci-fi writer, um, it's a you know Arthur C. Clarke um, wrote about it and said there's un- something unspeakably sinister about a machine that does nothing, absolutely nothing, except switch itself off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely um, worth having a look at because it is it is quite creepy. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of those um, when we were when I was a kid. There were money boxes of of a skeleton. Um, and when you put the money on the coffin, a little hand came out and grabbed the coin and put it yeah. in the slot. Do you remember those? Things? I do. <laughs> but this yeah. is uh, this is a bit more mechanical than that and very strange.
0: <clears throat> Fantastic. Love that. Uh, <clears throat> um, so the next thing I've got on my list is uh, something we talked about a few weeks ago, which was the advent of a new daily newspaper in the UK called The New Day which was published by The Mirror, and it was there stripped down daily. And it was going to be 50 pence, I think, for the first few weeks it was 25 pence. Um, and, it was <laughs> and, I,
1: and what was my initial reaction to that?
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't very uh, um, complimentary, was it? You know, we didn't uh, we didn't think they were going to do that well. So what's happened? They've closed. <laughs> Two months in, they were hoping for... Uh, a circulation of 200,000. They were basically going after the market that the independent had at one time. Um, and so they were chasing this 200,000 circulation. And they were doing it, they said it was all done on spare capacity. So it was essentially mostly uh, reporters and production people that were working at the Mirror. Uh, the It was going to be printed at spare capacity at the printing presses, so their, their costs were supposedly minimal um, and they were going to chase 200,000 for the people who were no longer reading a daily newspaper wasn't going to have a website was going to base its web presence on Facebook um, and it's closed it's bombed is what it has yeah, done isn't it? I, I think it managed 40,000 in the first week or so uh, and then dropped even further from that um, I'm surprised they didn't give it a bit longer or give it a bit more of a push um, you know I saw adverts for it for the first, first few days when it launched and just before it launched but I've seen or heard nothing from it since um, so it doesn't seem to me like they gave it the best shot um, which makes me wonder if it was a bit of a project from someone at the paper who because he was doing it on spare capacity with existing staff, was just, you know, given a go. Um, I thought he could do something spectacular, um, which is why they haven't given him long.
1: Well, the whole group is struggling, isn't it? Mm. It seems a bit of a strange gamble to spend money on something that has been proven not to work with a perfectly good newspaper like The Independent.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean... I think it was especially least, something that's
1: politically neutral as well. Allegedly,
0: yeah. And they were going after the Independent's, you know, kind of best circulation figures. Yeah, but which really, were from years ago. Yeah, but really they were up against I, which is the stripped down version of the Independent, which has survived the demise of its parent. Um, and maybe there isn't room for uh, for more than one paper of that kind as a as a daily. You know, particularly when in most cities you've got the metro and in London you've got the evening standard, which are free. You know, is there is there any room for a paper like that? Well, obviously not. <laughs> no, well, um, yeah. So, yes, sad, been but, um, and gone. Yeah, that's so
1: quick. That's our first... Um, we've, we've only been running a little while and that's our first start-up and
0: crash. <laughs> yeah, let's hope <laughs> it's the last. I don't <laughs> want to be some kind of Jonah. yeah. <laughs> A bad day for the new day.
1: (laughs) Well, I've been um, listening to a different podcast. Well, no, sorry. It's gone really cold in here. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to arrest all mimics. Which um,
0: I've also listened to as well. Yeah. Great podcast. I
1: I was, um, I was listening because I, um, I wanted to find out what the, what the DNAD festival was all about. Um, I'm not sure I'm any wiser as to what it's all about. Um, but it was there were some interesting interviews in there, and one that really caught my attention was was with the outgoing president Andy Sandos. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. It's uh, I think it's episode nineteen. Um, yeah. So if you go there um, and listen to um, what's the guy's Ben some, Ben Tallon Ben Tallon.
0: So he's uh, an illustrator, um, and he runs the Arrest All Mimics podcast with the backing of an illustration agency, which I can't remember the name of. Um, so he talks to a lot of illustrators um but kind of delves into other things in the arts and design as well.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's high it's high end highfalutin stuff. Hmm. Um and uh but it's a really interesting uh interview. So I would check that out if I were you. Um he talks about post digital which I find fascinating in terms of uh modernist, postmodernist and post digital in the fact that we're now becoming um we're humanizing the digital sphere um, and turning it into something that is of benefit to people so you know for example the Arab rising and the yeah. ability to be able to communicate across social media that before under any kind of um, totalitarian state was was impossible so um, and it's still very difficult for some people, but it gives people an opportunity. But mm. what we've been talking about is more sort of uh, over the last few weeks is more the negative side of it, of the fact that digital is touching on people's lives, but not actually really doing much. Um, so it was interesting to see the positivity there. But that's, I guess that's what you'd expect from a mouthpiece for the, you know, that is of uh, yeah. promoting design. I guess so um but yeah definitely uh, would, worth checking out
0: what would you uh, define post digital as is it just where it becomes more about what what it can do and what it can say rather than what it actually is yes it is stop
1: stop trying to um show off what can be done and actually turn that into something that is a positive influence mm. within humanity so it's using it as a tool as much as you would um, broadcast media or um, art or you know literature. Um, it's that world that we've entered. I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, I'm still. I'm still very much my my generation and older are still very much um, befuddled by digital. Uh, you know they don't see it as yes. a normal part of life. Yeah. But you know <clears throat> people ten years younger than me are totally immersed in. Well, they call them digital
0: natives. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? They've grown up in a world where it was never not a thing to throw several negatives in there.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, the the computer to me is still a miracle. I mean, you know, I've been using one for many years, but it's still a miracle to me. It's still, you know, and it's still something that I worry about. If it turned off, what would I do as a career? (laughs) I still feel I've still got that sort of uh, Cold War sense of uh you know that if it all turns off what would i turn my hand to yeah
0: well that's it if there's a you know if there's a gamma ray burst or a coronal yeah, ejection
1: I, d- I can't work a lathe rob <laughs> can you not no I've not, got a not a hand book. spindle or
0: anything i've got a lovely book called the beginner's guide to the lathe uh <laughs> that i can lend you thanks it's lovely it's uh, uh, very handy i'll borrow that off you yeah can you while scan you... it
1: in and email it to me yeah sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> while you were uh, talking about post-digital um my attention was distracted slightly because there's two wood pigeons, wood pigeons having um, relations on the branch outside my window.
1: <coughs>
0: so sorry about you that. You just
1: made this into an R-rated
0: podcast. Uh, yeah, they wanted <laughs> to do it twice while you were talking.
1: Yeah, they say R-rated, right? That's American, yeah? So yes. what's, what would the, the, we? There's no restricted on podcasts in the UK, is there? I mean, there we isn't. can say what we like. But, but we you get a funny get, little logo.
0: Yeah, you can get a, an E, can't you, next to it that oh, says exactly. uh, for explicit. Or you could do an Adam Buxton jingle at the beginning if there's any naughty words. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we've been pretty clean so far. Yeah, Apart no, from, you no, know, what you just talked about. Yeah. Filth. I like the way, you, you know, you keep it clean on here. But in real life, you're like a fishmonger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unhygienics. Uh,
0: Yes. <laughs> What's uh, Have you got any more news, John?
1: Because oh. I haven't. Uh, there's Asprey and Asprey, an agency who I just love their work. They're um, yeah. They produce products. Um, their design agency, I think, are they husband and wife? I think husband is uh, uh, the writer Nick, and yeah, wife yeah. is the designer, but I think they mix it up pretty pretty good but they do they just do tremendous work and they've got i i went on their site last night they've got a little shop they sell all sorts of weird and wonderful things oh, I didn't know that. um products and diaries and um all sorts he's recently built a um a bot um using on the back of somebody else's uh, software but it basically it's like a twitter bot and it just spurts out Nonsense, and uh, it's called the Bot Conference, and just comes out with little uh, little nuggets of um, of nothingness.
0: Well, it's quite funny that you say it's nonsense, but it's it's every bit as legible and literate as much of the stuff that comes out of these conferences. It's as know, close as to
1: it's as close to what you know all of these little sound bites that. Um, that i read now i've yeah. started reading news again and um, that make me drive me crazy so uh, yeah I'd, I'd rather read that knowing that it's absolute fluff than where, reading where, some kind of
0: where is he kind of dredged the data for it from
1: i don't is know i haven't read much more on it because
0: obviously he- it's you know it's targeted at the digital economy and design and
1: he, he's he's obviously generated a whole load of string of of uh, text strings and they're just bolting themselves together yeah. randomly. But it's very clever whatever he's done. Um, but he he's written a um, an article that's in Creative Review that is called Too Long Didn't Read, which I didn't realise that's what TLDR means. Uh-huh. Is that stupid? Am I
0: stupid? Uh, no, I only knew it because I uh, occasionally venture onto Reddit. Right, and see a lot on there.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a place I've never. I don't think I've ever been to. Um, it's
0: a strange frontier, is Reddit. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, he's talking about language and how um, brands are trying to use um, hashtag slogans uh, in place of just good old, you know, old-fashioned slogans. Yeah. Um, he uses the new Stella Artois B Legacy. Um, <laughs> Which yes. I, I still, I've read the article two or three times. I still don't understand what that means. Um, well, that's just it, isn't it? It means bugger all. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean re- Reassuringly expensive.
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. A uh, kind of aspirational aloof, you know.
1: But he does then, he goes on to talk about the positives in social media that people are using to write great stuff um and that copywriting is flourishing that people yeah. shouldn't be knocking it so much um and it ends with a a cracking poster by um publicist london for Depaul uk um which is a sort of a, uh, it's about um i'm pretty sure it's about sleepless um people sleeping rough um and so it's these posters are posted onto the corner of a wall, so that if you read it from one angle, it reads one thing. If you read it from another, it reads another. But then uh, you read them to the two together; it joins up into one sentence. Oh, that's clever, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's copywriting at its best. What I love, Um it's really nicely done. Yeah, that is brilliant. Um, and then there's another one that's a, an Old Spice campaign, which is like a, an adventure. Where they've really cleverly used tagging in Instagram to drive people through a storytelling. Um, How much people are going to buy Old Spice products is um, remains to be seen. Um, The branding looks on it looks like Carling Black Label to me.
0: (laughs) It does a bit, doesn't it? Uh, It's quite funny how, like you said, Old Spice isn't necessarily a brand that you'd associate with that demographic. maybe they've created something that's quite interesting because they're having to try that much harder.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, kudos to them. I think it's good. I think I think it looks, you know, it's really strong and it's really brave and um, I really, I really, um, the article's great. Read it. That's all I have to say. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's well worth following and listening to. He's got lots of interesting and sage things to say.
0: Yeah, he's a very smart cookie.
1: So it's episode 13. Um, so unlucky for some, Rob. Yes. you see where I'm going here? I do. So I thought we could talk about luck and being unlucky and also horror. It's yes. Friday the 13th next week. Are you superstitious? No. Are no, you? me neither.
0: I, lo- I walked under a ladder today. I didn't no. even notice until
1: I I, was- I do get scared really quickly, though. Do, do you? <laughs> Do you? yeah my dad used to he had this house in the middle of nowhere, and it was uh, quite a scary house didn't like being there on my own uh-huh. um, but that's just your mind playing tricks, isn't it
0: It is but I guess that's what superstition relates to, isn't
1: it yeah, there was a room I would never go in
0: really yeah i
1: had have to run past it wow yeah
0: this is this is from the boy who who had the haunted bedroom at school, yeah. <laughs> Who was it? Carruthers, not Carruthers, was it?
1: What's his name? Standish.
0: Standish. <laughs> I'd like uh, to look
1: him up, see if he was a real person. It was probably just some sick former trying to freak me out, wasn't
0: it? You should definitely look that up.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit about luck, like as in careers, and so like you know what what lucky breaks. Uh, is there such a thing as being lucky in your career? Um, can you force luck or? Um, Uh, Is it just something that happens or do you really have to work hard at um, at getting those lucky breaks?
0: Well, the famous quote about luck is um, Thomas Jefferson's, isn't it? I'm a great believer in luck and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Yeah. Which is all about making your own luck, isn't it? You know, if you put yourself into enough places, give yourself enough opportunities uh, by working hard, getting yourself out there, being a nice person... Uh, doing good work, and you know you're going to be rewarded for that.
1: So is luck a cumulative thing then? Is it something that piles up? That the more that you put in to pursue something, the more likely you're you're reducing the probability every time you put in a burst of effort or produce a piece of work or um, go and speak to somebody or you know do something. Is is that reducing the probability of you not
0: succeeding? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think so, but that kind of plays into the, it's the gambler's fallacy, isn't it, um, of look, kind of and probability having a memory. The gambler's fallacy is, you know, I haven't thrown a seven all week, so I'm bound to throw a seven tonight.
1: Yeah, um, it's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstein are dead. Do you know the play, Tom Stoppard? Tom Stoppard, So yeah. it starts with, you know, they just, they keep tossing coins and it's heads so it's just heads all the way through the play and it's it's all about that that kind of thing is that you you can't mess with fate
0: yeah so maybe um is look cumulative well it does 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 look exist exist. (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh, i think surely if you continue to do good work and work hard and you know, if you make that your, that's the person you are, then you're going to be rewarded. But you're rewarded more through human nature and probability, aren't you? Than by luck.
1: I think if certainly if we went by your recent um, uh, progression into illustration um, and if we take your Instagram and Tumblr, a success. Um, if you, you think have-
0: it's all down to luck?
1: No, I, I don't think at all. I think that you have promoted yourself, therefore you've spread the net of people who are aware of you, therefore you catch more fish. You know, that,
0: that's absolutely true. I mean, kind of from a sort of shallow point of view, you'd think, or I kind of think, I, I have been lucky because you know my first book illustration job came last year and I'd drawn a picture of a couple of kind of medieval towers just for fun I stuck them on Instagram and not long after that an art director from a children's book publishing company was looking on Instagram Um, and I don't know if she was specifically looking for that for someone to do a book about castles but she came across my work and contacted me and I ended up illustrating a book about castles Um, so she hadn't been looking at that particular time i Decided not to put those up on Instagram. Maybe I put them up on Facebook instead, or you know, I guess I was lucky that she didn't have someone else on their Books that she thought that the work would fit with. But as you say, you know, I, I put the work out there. I did the work. I put it out there on Instagram. And I've got enough followers that. You know, my work tends to get seen. It shows up, it's going to show up in the discover thing because, you know, it gets quite a few likes. Um, so in that respect, I did make my own look. Felt bloody lucky at the time, though.
1: Yeah, but you'd only have to have a couple of years of that where it's happening three or four times a year. And yeah. you'd see the benefit of being out there. Um, you know, That's absolutely it. If you're not showing off your work, nobody's going to see you. Um, yeah. I, I had written down you know if you sit in your bedroom producing work and you know you, nobody's going to find you but actually that's not the case is it now because not anymore. <laughs> because the internet it, it sort of brings everyone into your bedroom in your pants or wherever you it, however it, you work it does um, but I think that if you're not um, there's a case of, uh, of massively over promoting it and turning people off <clears> but there's so many people out there looking in then you, you can't really go wrong with over promoting can you?
0: You can't. I think you can do it in a very specific way in, you know, if you say on Instagram, if you post, you know, 10 pictures a day, people will very soon get bored of you in their feed and will stop following you. Um, But I think if you just kind of post stuff regularly and, you know, post new original, for me, new original drawings regularly, you know, it seems to pay dividends.
1: And do you find that sometimes re, redoing them just generates more interest? So, if you've got a popular post and you pop, pop it up again six months later, yeah. have you tried that?
0: Yeah, I have. And it generally, I think part of it is just because, you know, as time goes on, you get more followers. So, I have reposted stuff from a couple of years ago, you know, when I had maybe a thousand Instagram followers. I repost it now because I've got 7,000 something. Um, and, yeah, it's it's nice to see it reaching uh, an audience it didn't reach the first time.
1: Yeah. I, I'm I'm probably the antithesis of that, I guess, in my career at the moment in the fact that I went freelance, what, three years ago. Uh, I haven't updated my portfolio at all. I haven't shown off any of the work that I've done subsequently. Um, and they do say, you know, you're only as good as your last job of what people s- see that you've done. And, um <coughs> you know, that makes me feel incredibly guilty that I haven't done that and hadn't tried to push on my career. And, and it's something I felt not, not unlucky in my career all the time, but I know that because I haven't promoted myself as well as the next person I haven't done as well, or I haven't, I'm not as well known or I'm not, you know, I'm not pushing myself in a design career as much, you know, I I am quite responsive. I say, you know, yes, reactive to, to the jobs that come in. Um, When you started doing that, did that feel very uncomfortable to you when you started promoting yourself? Or did you feel that you weren't, you know, we're going to get back to that, you know, not feeling worthy enough to do it? Uh. Um,
0: No, it didn't. I did it absolutely because I, with my art, I need a bit of reassurance. Yeah. So I'm posting it because I want, you know, I need to know that it's liked. I think and then from that you know I saw that people did like it and then you think oh okay this is good but yeah I think that's part of that is working alone as well Um, you know you've got no no one to kind of share the work that you do with Um, if you're working in a studio um, and you're working on commercial stuff your work you know gets out into the world but if you're a an illustrator starting out then the work you do is predominantly just for yourself and you're the only person who sees it so it's nice to get it out there um, and to get feedback
1: i don't know i think you know a lot of other sage advice that you get given is like you know know your career early on and stick to it and you will make a success of it and that some way is a sort of replacement for luck isn't it um mm. the fact that you are going to just totally focus down on what you what you want to do um and we, t- we are talking about luck in in terms of career and lucky breaks aren't we yeah. t- rather than um oh, i didn't step on a landmine or whatever um but you know my problem is that i've never really known what i wanted to do <laughs> so well, therefore exactly I ha- the so therefore i haven't had that focus and i feel that sometimes the luck hasn't been there because i haven't had any Anywhere to push you know anywhere that I really wanted to go, um if you see what i mean i didn't i I not wanted to pursue a career in film or particularly in advertising or um animation or whatever I wanted to do kind of all, all of it, but on my own terms and it doesn't really doesn't really work, does it I think,
0: <laughs> I think that thing about you know really focusing on one thing and knowing your career early it just it sounds like a lonely sort of stressful world don't you think to be so sort of you know have tunnel vision and be so focused on well, i think i think it's kind sa- of ambition yeah.
1: i said it's sage advice but only if you know that that's what you want um yeah. and and how many you know 18 19 year old kids know what they want to do at that particular mm. time so um i think it's very it's very hard to make your luck if you don't know what where you want to end up but you've got to put yourself out there haven't you that's the, that's the main thing and um, and our industry has a lot of people who aren't very confident and, or haven't got great presentational skills um and it's something you have to learn very very quickly if you want to make it especially beyond being a designer you know a, a standard designer and you want to mm. become a creative director or, or or whatever
0: beyond that um you have to stand up in front of people uh, yeah confidence is something you really need to succeed in this industry
1: yeah which is funny because it's probably filled with the least confident people that i've ever met <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um booze helps so
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh would you say you've you know, are you lucky or not lucky
1: i'd say i'm i i don't think i believe in luck i think i'm not very confident at promoting myself um, and that if I do put anything out there, I'm so. Like, we go back to the um, I'm so non-internet uh, that I'm kind of paranoid when I put things out um, on the internet and I start saying, you know, here's my work. I feel really self-conscious about really? it. Really? And if I don't get any reaction, I feel really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so that- I therefore then I just with- withdraw. So I might, you know, you might see me every six months, I might put one or two drawings out. Or, or, or whatever i've done um and then i'll quickly retreat because <laughs> i just feel so um yeah just i don't know i just feel like i'm not worthy of it and that's probably why i've avoided doing what i really wanted to do which is probably draw and write um and i've always avoided that because it, it makes me commit to it and makes me want to promote it um if you see what i mean yeah, so yeah. I, don't, I don't want to get involved and stand up and talk about it because i don't feel i'm worthy do you know what which, you need
0: what's that nom de plume <laughs> i'm wearing one <laughs> that's what that strange rustling was <laughs> uh, i think we should invite our listeners to um to suggest a, a nom de plume for you to to post your work under.
1: <laughs> so that's that a good can, idea
0: you can post your drawings and writing without uh without you know being fully committed to uh to the outside world with it
1: yeah i think something else we should talk about is something that i felt i've lacked in my career um is a mentor as somebody that i could really you know confide in and would give me sage advice throughout my career i've never ever had that i've always had to make my own way and it sounds like can you hear a little violin playing there i'm not i'm not feeling sorry for myself about it it's just that i've never worked in a place where i've had a, a senior person sort of take me under their wing um in design and uh and 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 sort of you know try and mold me into something else i've had people colleagues that have been really helpful and helped me learn all sorts of different bits and bobs but i've never had that mentor type and i think that can be really really useful yeah. for, for up and coming even not even up and coming but you know because you can change your career at any time in your life um i think oh, we yes. should also stop seeing that new blood is you know you have to be you know 22 and just out of art college it's not that's not what it's all about is it it's yeah. about well, are you producing fresh work that and you're new to the New to the scene, as it were.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, but, uh, I think, I, I think that, yeah, definitely a subject for the future is mentor mentoring and and you know helping people. How do you help them without moulding them into what you you are yourself?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which That's kind a, of kind of ties into education as well, which is something that we're going to come back to. Yeah, because being both sort of well, I am completely uneducated in design, and, and you are ninety um, five percent nearly done. <laughs> uh, how
0: does that um, um, marry up with the fact that I got kicked out of art college twice? Well,
1: it's I'm two, the only two I'm times is twice as much, isn't it? I'm the really? only
0: person I know that got kicked out of two art colleges.
1: That's pretty. That, I mean, for all the all the rock and roll people that have been to art college, um, yeah, and you managed to get kicked out twice. Exactly. That's so good.
0: Yeah. <sighs> right. Um, well, I posted a uh, a little link on our. Basecamp thing about uh that look bill gross who i don't know who he is but he'd uh, he'd posted a picture about uh, kind of about luck um which was 10 things that require zero talent um and they were being on time work ethic effort body language energy attitude passion being coachable doing extra and being prepared uh which is all perfect. And you picked up on the fact that it's 10 things that require zero talent, add up to one talented individual, um, which is, as you said, a lovely symmetry. I really like that. And that is very much about making your own luck, isn't it? You know, if you can tick off the majority of those things on that list, you're, you're going to do all right.
1: Oh yeah. You're going to be, um, you're going to be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing um, about um thirteen okay. <laughs> in segue uh, um is 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 the obviously horror um and we want to talk about horrors in the future uh things that have gone horribly wrong in neither your career or products that you've made or yeah. um productions that you've been involved in um i've got quite a lot uh, <laughs> that i've been involved in, mainly when I was a sign maker. Um, but I think that's something that we should then maybe postpone and talk about in the future. So we'd love to, if you've got, what were you calling it? You were calling it, it's like true confessions, confessions, uh, confessions, confessions of a designer. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, because I, I get that feeling and this, the, I don't know if you get this, but whenever I, and I don't do much print anymore, but when, when we used to get, you know, bundles of brochures back from the printers, uh, it should be a really exciting time, shouldn't it's it? Not oh, horrific, oh, it's horrific, isn't it? absolutely horrendous. And I yeah. still hate any print coming in here because I will always spot something that's wrong. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: However wa- much I've proved it.
0: I walked into the office uh, this morning and passed the recycling bin which had a huge stack of the latest leaflets from the studio in it because they'd been printed and then someone had noticed um, a typo. Yeah. So, yeah, that does happen. Yeah. Uh, still on the subject of luck, though, I've got one last uh, thing to talk about with luck, which is uh, Frayne Selak, who is um, who's known as the world's luckiest man. Okay. Or the world's unluckiest man. He survived um, or escaped death on seven different occasions. And I'll only mention one of these, seven. In 1968, Selak was teaching his youngest son how to hold a gun when the safety trigger was accidentally off, and Selak managed to shoot himself in one of his testicles. Um, So, yeah, that's the world's luckiest or unluckiest man. (sighs) Who I had to look up as we were talking about... uh, uh, Look, oh, actually, in 2003, two thousand and three, two days after his seventy-third birthday, Selak won eight hundred thousand euros. Well, there you go; you make yeah. your own
1: luck, don't you? Yeah, married five times. Right, same person or? <laughs> I don't know. He people? bought a
0: boat with his winnings <laughs>
1: <laughs> to get away, probably.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's. I, I think we've talked long enough about luck. So, yeah, yeah if you' um, there's some interesting topics to be had in there. I didn't mean to talk so personally about my uh, my weird state of mind, but there we go. Um, okay. Have you got a website of the week?
0: I have. It's one a lot of people uh, will probably know. It's consume, consume. So it's consume, consume.com. Uh And it's one of these kind of curious kind of feeds of images. No captions, no information about the images. And they're just strange so there's a picture the second picture on there at the minute is a, a VW campervan towing a trailer and on the back of the trailer is a miniature replica of the VW campervan <laughs> right um, or there's, um, there's just kind of strange pictures the uh, picture of a wedding and a happy couple kissing but on the floor behind them is uh, the legs of an unconscious bridesmaid or uh, a border collie with its head sticking out of the ocean, surrounded by otters. Um, <laughs> there's nothing more to say about Consume-Consume than it's um, it's a really distracting way to spend a few minutes to, to catch up on their feed of just, I believe, bizarre, crazy photographs. And it's well worth a look. There's, there's quite often some really kind of poignant stuff on there, but more often than not, it's just absolutely bizarre. So well worth a lot of it seems to be East European mm. uh, although they have got that did you see in the papers uh, a few months ago there was a picture of I can't remember it was a, might have been a night out in Birmingham it really did the rounds it was this picture of a some police tackling a, a drunk on the streets of Birmingham and his no. girlfriends talking to him and in the background you've got a couple of police cars and there's a there's a bloke lying in the middle of the road reaching for his pint uh, and, and everyone pointed out that actually it's like a modern renaissance painting you know it's got all these kind of areas of interest and you yeah. know, I'm sure you could superimpose the, the golden ratio on top of it and it'd be perfect like a Piero della Francesca um, but yeah that's on there as well
1: Sounds more like a Br- Bruegel, Bruegel Yes maybe yeah. um, Good stuff Talking of him that I yes. mangled his pronunciation um, the <clears throat> Rijksmuseum in, um, I'm sure I've pronounced that beautifully in Dutch I'm uh, sure you did. Uh, in uh, Amsterdam. Have you been there? I haven't. I've never been to Amsterdam. Oh, it's, it's a cracking museum. And they've just done it up, I think. I mean, anyway, they've got a, a an appy thing out on their website called Rijks Studios. Um, it's a bit like Pinterest. You can browse through their collection of art and create sort of boards. Um, so you could create... Uh, Ones on famous moustaches or horses or hats or whatever. Um, But you can also crop down on those images um, and create little research pieces. So it's a fantastic site. Um, I'm not convinced it kind of beats Pinterest in its sort of width of being able to research all sorts of other sites and bring in the same, you know, it's basically the same features. Um, And I'm not sure whether you can then print off your artworks when you go there because they definitely have printing at quite a lot of galleries now don't they on demand do they yeah so i saw at the port national portrait um you could choose transparencies that to to print straight 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 there they had a big epson 4000 whatever it is Mm -hmm. a2 printer so you can get posters of of whatever they've given permission um yeah so you can um I think you can print some of these off but anyway yeah so it's definitely worth a a stroll through so lots of people have done research already so you can see things on abstracts, landscapes um, you know catwalk stuff medicine people faces Japanese style whatever you want to look at so it's a great research tool Yeah. Um, but if if you are going to Amsterdam it's it's a must see it really is a fantastic museum oh fantastic mainly art I'd say
0: yes I like that I like that a lot I like uh, one of the things about Pinterest is, you know, if you follow different people on Pinterest and and you kind of look at one of their boards and you can see, you know, if you've got a similar board yourself, it's interesting to see how they've approached a similar subject slightly differently. So on here, you've got kind of lots that perhaps look very similar just by their titles and stuff. But it'd be interesting to see if they've, you know, picked out different uh, aspects of that subject.
1: Oh. So pies, Rob. What's your pie this
0: week? Well, my pie, John, is a uh, it's a, a pork pie from um, Saul's Butchers in Alsford. Oh, I got one of those. <laughs> really? Yeah, we've synchronised. <laughs> what an amazing coincidence! Synchronised. Yes. After lunch yesterday, we uh, we strolled up Alsford High Street, and uh, as you mentioned, the first butchers was devoid of pies. Uh, and then we went to Sol's Butchers, and it was a a cornucopia of pies. There were many pies, weren't there? There were many, many pies. And we plumped for a traditional pork pie. Yeah. Uh, have you got uh, a,
1: a little snifter? I've got a, yeah, I've got a um, a, a glass of um, hopping hair by Badger. Oh, nice beer. Um, it's very nice, very hoppy, as
0: you'd imagine. Yeah. I've got a badger beer as well, and I've made a terrible mistake because I've had this beer before and I hated it, and I'm still hating it. I I didn't think it's a golden glory, right? And it's the one that tastes of peach.
1: Oh yeah, I, yeah. It really is peach, isn't it? It really is peach. I yeah. like that, but only one. You know, I don't like one. peaches.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not it's not really up my alley. No. Uh, so to the pie. Uh, oh, is it got peach in it? it must have i mean it's, it's way really too, strong yeah it's way too picky like to yeah strange mm. uh i so, strange. i'm going in for pie
1: all right i'll go in at the same time then
0: mm. Mm. i really like that that's a damn good pie it is the jelly is wonderful yeah real sort of salty sweet jelly
1: yeah it's a cured pork isn't it because it's pink yeah um and uh, it's really close to the pastry, but the pastry is cr- crunchy on the outside, but really soft. How just how I like it, and then That's it goes good. into the jelly.
0: Mm.
1: That's a great. That is a good pie.
0: It is. What, have you got a, an accompaniment?
1: I've got um, some French mustard. Mm. What have you got? Brown sauce. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's just. Could weird. you tell that. No, it's just you always have brown sauce. <laughs>
0: Mm. I like brown sauce with my pot pies.
1: Mmm. That's really good. I'm going to give that an eight.
0: Well, it gets an eight from me as well. Cool.
1: Has that gone to the top of the pops?
0: Certainly, yeah. Well, I think you, you gave last week's an eight, didn't you? Was it the mm. week before like,
1: Yeah, no, the the um, pie minster one.
0: I was a bit, um, I was probably a bit too um, generous with my early scores for the pies. Well, like if,
1: if I ever get a page made up, um, you can be, you know... You can go back and re- reinvent history.
0: Re- yeah, remark
1: them. Yeah, that'd be good. Right. Well, I think we've gone over our hour mark. Um, we have. Yeah, talked about all sorts of things: cuckoos, uh, luck, yeah, in a kind of roundabout way.
0: and Selak and his sad testicle.
1: <laughs> a marvellous, um, a blasted testicle. A yes. marvellous pie uh, to end the show on. Um, yeah. So next week uh, we were meant to talk about. Uh, a book, won't we? I've, we've glossed over that. Um, we yeah, haven't yes,
0: finished the book, so I haven't finished
1: it. No, um, so we will try and get that done for next week. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, please send us your stories of um, catastrophes, confessions of a designer. It will be uh, hopefully. Well, we'll be talking about it either next week or the week after. Um, and uh, until then, um, have a lovely week.
0: Good night, job. Really good, good night, to You ya. too. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.
1: The secret stars were no good for making carbon in his life.